Don't let offense steal your praise. Don't let fear steal your praise. Don't let anything shut your mouth and steal your gratitude. Because it is a lie. Because we know who wins. We know who died. We know who rose again. We know, we know who is the everlasting king. We know who our God is. Don't let anything steal your praise. <laughs> in the darkest nights, in the greatest hour of depression, in the deepest valley, in the biggest storm, our God will arise victorious on behalf of his people. So we will not allow anything to steal our praise. We will not allow anything to steal our gratitude. Stir up your hearts. Is a time to worship. Come, best as you are, to give your heart. Come, now is a time to worship. It's a time to give your heart. One day every tongue will confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly Forsake me in my weakness. 
And I know that you have come now, even if to ride upon my heart, to remind me of who you are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Does anyone have a word from the Lord? Yeah, I feel like somebody has something. So, here. Uh, yeah. I saw a lot of flowers. Okay. You know, like a, <clears throat> like in the spring. Uh-huh. And then there was a lot of bees. Okay. Bees, 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 bees. And then the honey <coughs> just start pouring down and pouring down. That's so good. And, <clears throat> well, I know that the honey is the word of the Lord. And yeah. He wants that we, we just... Eat that, and then it say, "Taste and see what the Lord." Come on, it's good. That's so good. That's so good. That's so good. Clear. Like will you take the mic, please, sir? Right here, like online stuff too. Yeah. I just feel like a lot of times these legalistic preachers, they they have a desire to know the love of God, but they they can't picture it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 they try to. You know, and we're in a society where we got to earn our way all the time. But, but what does the love of God look like? That's what I was getting. Show them the love of God. What does the love of God look like? And Come it reminded on. me of the the lady with the issue of blood. Yeah. And you know, back then, that she people like that were considered unclean and ridiculed. Yeah. And she was kind of like shunned. Mm-hmm. But he, out of all that, he said, "Daughter." Come on, that's right. Daughter. Yes. I mean, in front of everybody, all these high priests and all these people were watching. He said, daughter. Come on, man. And it just, that's what I was getting when we were. Mm. It's good. It's a good word, man. That's a very good word. To tag on what he said, I feel like everything that you have ever heard negative about yourself, Mm. God speaks the exact opposite every time. Come on, man. God doesn't sit there and go, well, maybe yeah. they're that. No. He calls things not as, though they, not as though they are. Come on. So when the world has condemned you as whatever negative connotation you want to put in there, yeah. your Father in heaven speaks the exact opposite of you. It's good. It's good. That's because good. his word goes forth. And what he intended us all for yeah. was good. And he never speaks ill of us, ever. That's good. Because the legalists would have disqualified that woman because of the issue that she had. And, um, and the Lord called her daughter. Amen. And so, you know, our God is not a disqualifier. Our God is a... Um, qualifier. He's a qualifier, man. Because if, if he... It, we can turn the lights on. If he, um, if he... You know, if we had to be qualified in order to receive, then the only person it would receive is God. And so he's the one that qualifies. And... Um, and I also want to tag in to what she was saying about the honey um, for just a second, because how many know that we're, we're on the verge of a season change, right? The flowers and stuff represent that. How many know there, there's a blooming that's going to happen and, um, in the natural, but also in the supernatural and, and, and also in, in God's people, um, there's a blooming that's going to happen. And, you know, the, the bees, 
you know, represent, you know, pollination. And, and I believe, you know, the thing that makes a bee, I mean, you know, bees are extremely important. And uh, the power of a bee is its ability to cross-pollinate. And I think that the church is in the process of learning how to cross-pollinate. You know what I'm saying? Because what we've done is we like our little groups and we like our little cliques and we like what we like and, and we like our little name tags and all that and little banners that we all kind of operate under. And I feel like a portion of everything that can be shaken, that will be shaken, has been shaken, has shaken the banners of denomination and non-denominationalism off of the church so that we can rally around Jesus and we can lay aside our little petty differences and we can cross-pollinate. Because here's the thing, you can learn from everybody. And everybody knows something you don't know. Everybody in this room, we can all, we, if we all sit down and could talk you know, as a family and sit at a table, we could all learn from each other. No one, nobody's an expert on God. Nobody is. Uh, God, you, he just, he can't, you can't be experted on. Y'all understand that? <laughs> Praise God. But so I think there's, there's a cross-pollination that's happening in the body of Christ. And, um, and then what it brings forth, it, the honey is wisdom. Literally, the honey is wisdom. That's what, that's what honey represents in Scripture. And uh, when I was in a place of worship, um, that's what I just kept getting. See, how many of y'all need God to do something for you in your life? You need God to make a change, right? And that, I was really getting that. And I was just feeling His heart towards you. And uh, just praying for you, and um, and and so many times, what we want, we want a miracle, and we want, we want, um, and nothing wrong with miracles. God's a miracle worker. God does miracles all the time. He's a miracle worker. He's a powerful God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Book of Acts is still very much alive. God is still doing wonders in the earth, and so understand that. But a lot of times, what happens is, is the problem that we're dealing with, and this is kind of the way I saw it. People had a knot that they were incapable of untying. And it was this knot. I mean, to me, a problem is a lot of times represent a knot. And you, don't, you can't untie it. And, and what happens is, with, for that knot and that situation, what you need is wisdom. You need some wisdom. You need the voice of your Father to, to, to speak to you and untie that knot. And so many times, like, we, we want, you know, we want our, we want, you know, and I'm not discounting the miraculous aspects of God and the visions and dreams and hearing His voice and all these things are very powerful. I mean, that's a part of how everything that's been delivered this morning has come. But um, at, in a place of relationship, w- one word from God. And it'll come. It, it might come through one of the kids here today. You know what I'm saying? It might come through, it might come through any... God's speaking to you. He wants, he wants, to, he wants you to hear His voice. M- more than, than you want to hear His voice. And so, you know what I'm saying? Seriously, it, it, it may come through worship, it may come through a sermon, it may come through fellowship, it may come through a song on the radio, secular song on the radio, movie, whatever. I mean, don't limit God from His voice. And so I'm saying that to say this, if you've you got a situation that you don't know how to fix, wait on the Lord and listen because the wisdom's coming. The challenge is the waiting. The challenge is the waiting. People have a challenge of waiting. And, uh, but the wisdom's coming. And, and, and another thing I got... Uh, quickly here is we're kind of sharing what's you know prophetically happening here is um, disappointment don't allow disappointment to rob you of the future because what disappointment does is it it, it appoints you unto death because what happens a lot of times is you know God will speak something to our heart he'll speak something into our life and we think it's going to happen a certain way and I can I can I can promise you it's not going to happen the way you think it's going to happen just from sheer experience <laughs> The way you think it's going to happen is probably not going to happen. Now, He shows you the end from the beginning. He shows you what's going to happen. He shows you the end. Because if He showed you the journey, you wouldn't go. 
Can I get an omi? Amen. Not an amen, an omi. You know what I'm saying? If he showed you the journey, you would not go. So he don't show you the journey. He shows you the end. Well, I'm here to tell you right now, there are people in here that God has showed you the end. And you've seen the end, and it's beautiful, and it's kept you going, and it's kept you moving forward, but the enemy has tried to heap disappointment on you because you don't know how the end is going to happen. And God says to you, I will bring to pass what I spoke to you. I will bring it to pass into your life. I know it's not happened in your timetable. I know it's not happened according to your expectation. But don't allow disappointment to throw water on the fire of your heart. And if the fire in your heart has, has went down, if it's just a smoking ember, I'm going to blow that flame and I'm going to bring it back with my hope because everything that I said to you is going to happen. Everything that I showed you is going to happen. It's going to come to pass. But I feel like there's, you, there's a cold blanket that's tried to be placed over your heart to bring a sense of discouragement and depression. And it's time to just throw that blanket off of you and say no. And call to remembrance what He showed you. Call to remembrance the promise. Call to remembrance and bring that, bring that forth. Because here's the thing. He's going to do it based on His faithfulness. It's not based on your faithfulness. Thank God. You know what I'm saying? Thank God. Thank God. You know, we always talk about Abraham being a father of our faith and being a man of great faith. Man, when God told him the promise, he laughed. Let's remember that. God didn't record that in Hebrews 11. Sarah laughed. They went out and they tried to find another way. So that is our example of faith. You know what that means to me? It's not about how awesome we are and it's not about how awesome our faith is. It's how awesome our God is. Because there comes a time, man, when you just don't... You, you, with the passage of time, the disappointment, all these things, you just sit down in a place of frustration and, and, and you give up on yourself. Don't give up on God. And I know that may sound weird, but uh, your part is to be saved. <laughs> That's your part. You don't climb the ladder. How many know when Peter sank in the water, Jesus saved him? He just saved him, right? Why did he sink? He got his eyes off the Lord and he got his eyes on the circumstances. Right? Remember, your part is not to be great and powerful and mighty and awesome. Your part is to be saved. You're the sheep that gets lost. He's the one that saves you. Amen? Now, and I don't say that to present like a victim mentality or if we always fail, but I say that to take the pressure off of your shoulders of bringing your destiny to pass. You don't bring your destiny to pass. God's going to complete the work that He started in you. God's going to complete the work that He started in you. God's going to complete the work that He started in you because He loves you for no other reason. It's just because He loves you. It's just because He loves you. And you're His kid. And He wants you around. And He wants you to be a part of what He's doing. You know, with my kids, you know, Eli loves to help with everything. Like, if there's something going on, he wants to help, right? And that's a great quality. But... But, um, you know, it's a challenge when he helps. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it is. It's a challenge. But I make room for him, and I make way for him, and I let him help. Why? Because I love him. It's not his performance. It's his presence. It's not your performance. It's your presence. Show up to your daddy's heart. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, ugh, he loves you. And so I just I felt that so strong during uh, worship. That to, man, cast off that disappointment because it's a lie. And you're not late and you're not behind uh, because God's pa- the way time passes for God is not the way time passes for man. And, and God, can take, God can bring you into the fullness of the end of your calling overnight. Overnight. Look at Daniel. Look at, um, look at um, 
Uh, praise God. Thank you. Praise God. My, my Bible characters are slipping over here. Joseph. Joseph, man. Joseph went through hell, you know, but, but in, in a night, he, he was promoted to the end. Amen. Y'all tracking me here? And the beauty of a promotion like that is like you can't take any credit for it. And so you can't be prideful when you get there. And so pride's not going to cause you to fall because you're just as surprised you're there as everybody else is. <laughs> and that's wonderful because it keeps you safe. The safest place for a believer is in the arms of humility. That's the safe place. Because the only thing that frustrates grace is pride. And that's the primary thing the enemy tries to develop in you because he's trying to block grace from your life because grace is what causes you to soar. You tracking me? You know, so anyway, praise God. So yes, amen. Okay, please, Teresa. No, 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 keep rolling, keep rolling. It's good. I'm sorry, I just had to get... God showed me a heart. Uh-huh. And what he, what he put in my mind to say is that we always say that, you know, Jesus has our hearts, but he wants us to know that we have his heart. Come on, that's he good. He loves us that much. Then he showed me um, a wild white horse. <laughs> wow. <laughs> to me, that's purification, that's sanctification, uh, sanctification yeah. and purity and um, freedom. Come on. Freedom. So it goes along with everything that's been said here today. That's you good. Know? It's like... Freedom from sin, freedom from all these worldly attitudes that we have, freedom to live in His love. That's good. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that. That's powerful. Anybody else have anything? Okay, cool. Just want to make sure. I mean, you know, God speaks through all of us. Amen? He's not, he don't just speak through one. He speaks through all of us. Amen? We all have a relationship with the Lord. We can all hear His voice. Amen? And uh, it's important to understand that. You're, you're, you're important. And uh, what you have to say is important. And, um, and we want to hear God's voice through you. Amen. And uh, we, we, it's really important. One of the, one of the, di- one of the, one of the changes of the, dyna- di- the dynamics of the church is that we're going to honor each other, not just honor the pastor. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just not good, man. You know, it, it, the, there's, there's an equality in the church. You know, we're a family. You know, not one, one member of the family isn't better than another member of the family. Now, we honor, we honor leaders, you know. We, we, you're not going to receive from someone you can't honor. You're not going to receive from someone you can't respect. And so, if we just honor the, the, the person behind the pulpit, we don't honor each other. We cut the voice of God out of our lives from coming from so many different avenues. You follow me? And so, like, we want to develop... In, 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 in the church, you know, church world, why would, just, just honor, man, just a sense of honor and, and, and respecting the Christ in each other, amen? And so that we can hear from each other, we can learn from each other. And then when someone's acting out, how I many know every now and then we get carnal and we get in the flesh, right? And when someone's acting out, we, we don't see them according to the flesh. We realize that's not really who they are, amen? They're, that's not who they are. And, we, and we, we, we know them according to Christ, not according to what's carnally happening in their flesh. Are y'all tracking me here? And so that we maintain this, this culture of honor, and what it does is it becomes like an armor that protects us from the attack of the enemy. The primary way the enemy destroys a lot of church fellowships is they, they kill each other. They kill each other. And, and the reason they, they kill each other is um, they're trying to compete for a love that's free. They're trying to compete for an approval that's free. Amen? Uh, you know... Praise God. Thank God if, if, you have the, if you have a leader's approval, but you don't need the leader's approval to serve your God. How I many of oh, God loves you whether a pastor does or not? Can I get an amen? 
God loves you whether it fell. And I'm not trying to like throw leaders under the bus, but I'm just trying to say that, um, oh gosh, you don't, we're not, we're not emaciated, love-starved children competing for approval. We are seated at the Father's table and we are loved and we're, we've grown fat on the Father's love. You know what I'm saying? We've grown robust and, and, and on the Father's love. So we don't have to compete with each other. We can actually honor each other and respect each other and, and hear each other and value um, each other's voice. Amen? So praise God, man. And so I feel like that's a, that's a, a change that's happening. And there's a, there's a fluidity in the body of Christ that I'm, I'm beginning to recognize and see the beauty of because like, you know, in a, there was a time when we, you know, like we, we were all in one building, you know, and like we, we, we all, we were here, you know, but now it's like with everything that's happened on online and it's like you have this ability to just hear God. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and there's, there's, a, there's, there's a value in being pastored. I mean, there's a value in, in being in a place, but, but how many of you know that Man, God's so much bigger than a building. He's so much bigger than a location. Thank God that we have a location where we can meet. Thank God we made it up the driveway today. Praise God. Were you my concern? I was, because usually, man, like, out of here, it's like a deluge. It's like the Olympics. When that thing freezes, I mean, like, you got to hit that, you got to gun it up that thing. You know, zoof. And, um, but it actually wasn't like that, because the snow actually helped give us um, some stuff. So, anyway, thank God for meeting together. But how I many you know that we're a part of the body of Christ whether we're wearing each other's t-shirt or not? Yeah. Take a mic. You must speak into the mic so everyone can hear you. Sorry. Go ahead. Is it on? Yeah. I got a word from the Lord this morning with uh, 1 Corinthians six seventeen that says yeah. that we are one spirit with the Lord. And I just think it goes right along with what you're saying because yeah. if we're competing with each other yeah. or we're even competing with ourselves yeah. to just get closer to God, um, you know, it's an absolute exhausting race for nothing because we are one with him. Come on. We're already one we with gotta him. We've got to compete. And if we see ourselves as one with him and we yeah. see each other as one with him, then yeah. the competition goes just flat. <laughs> There's nothing there anymore. That's good. And, and I just think that, you know, we need to know that get a revelation of that. I'm already one with him. So wherever I am, whether I'm listening to a scripture in my car, whether I'm listening to online or whether I'm here in a building, yeah. wherever I am, I'm one with him. And it's whether good. we're just going down the road and we're singing crazy songs from the eighties, I'm one with him. On. I'm good. one with him. My spirit is always in communion with him and his is always in communion with me. Yes. Even when I don't feel it, even Come when on. I feel down, when yeah. I'm uh, things aren't going my way, I am one with him, and it yes. takes all the pressure off of performance. Yes. It just takes all of it. And, yeah. and so, you know, it was just a really good word this morning. I thought it went with what you were saying. Spot on. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, competition's carnal. Competition's out there, not in, not in the house of God. We're, we're, not, we're not factions, and we're not, we're not competing. Amen? We're seated at the Father's table. The house of God that it edifies. Well said, man. Well said. There's a reformation that's happening, man. And it's not real loud. It's kind of quiet. <laughs> it's not real showy, you know. And, uh, it's, it's, but it's happening, and it's cool, and it's pure. And so, it's, so anyway, let's turn to 1 John chapter 3. And um, I just I felt unction to say this too. we got a couple events coming up this summer. We have a beach conference that we're doing in June. Um, it's June 
24th, 25th, 26th, somewhere in the 20s. I mean, I can get you the information. It's all online. 25th through the 27th. And uh, we're going to be going to Myrtle Beach, and we got speakers from all over. And uh, uh, we, uh, Brian and Joe and Suzanne will be leading worship. And um, we're going to have an awesome time. And at the same time, we also have a youth conference that's going on as well. It's like a t- it's for teenagers. And uh, the guy that's coming up to speak at that, uh, he's from Alabama, and he is the best. He is the best youth minister I've ever seen in my life. Like, he is. He's astonishing. His ability to reach kids. Like, I, I minister to young people. I minister to youth. But this guy's gift is. It's astonishing. Like, he had one evening with the kids, and these kids just had like an encounter with God that, that. How I many you know there's a difference between a good sermon and an encounter with God? An encounter with God will mark you for life. A good sermon will it will help renew your mind, and it's important. You know, you need to you need to eat. We need to feed on the bread of life. But uh, when when you're ministering to young people, everybody's trying to teach them something, and so sometimes I think it's better for them to have an encounter with God. And uh, I don't know at the end of that service we had we had you know grown teenage strapping young boys just weeping before the Lord and not caring what anybody thought. And, um, and so he's going to be doing that whole youth conference there in Myrtle Beach. And so we're excited about that. And then we also have a youth camp coming up in July, and that will be, that will be uh, July 23rd, 24th, 25th. And uh, he's also going to be a speaker at that as well. And so anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, for everybody here, everybody watching online, all that information is actually on my itinerant website, which is jjm.life. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a good time. So anyway, I felt unction to share that, so I'm going to share it. Now, um, I, I really, I got something very interesting in prayer this week um, that I have never gotten before, and, um, I, uh, and I'm just trusting the Lord to convey it, as always, and to deposit it in your heart. I mean, you know, one of the most powerful things that you have, you have the ability to choose, um, God has given you free will, and uh, He's given you the ability to choose. Now, you have things that you can control, and then there are a lot of things that you can't control. And there are a lot of things that you give to God and, and allow Him to handle. But there are certain things that you have the ability to choose. Okay, And so um, I just want to put your ability to choose in the forefront of your mind because I really want to empower you um, in this area uh, of, the, of having the ability to choose, okay? So I just want to start with that. And, you know, and, you know this is something that I, that I posted on social media, but, you know, how many know that God calls you by a new name? You know, you're, 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 you're not defined by your family. You're not defined by your past experiences. Um, you are not defined by any of your failures. Um, those, those don't define you. They don't label you. Uh, they don't tattoo your spirit. Um, how many know that what God says, and like Brian was sharing earlier, what God says about you is more important than what anybody else says and has more power. But how many know we have the choice to embrace what God says about us or what our, what our past says or what other people say? And one of the most challenging things to shake off of your life is when an authoritative figure has spoken something over your life. Maybe a father, a mother, a pastor, a leader, a teacher, a coach. When someone, because there's something about an authoritative position that has the ability to put something on you. But here's the thing. How many know there's no greater authority than Almighty God? And what Almighty God says about you will peel the name tag that was placed on you off of you. And there's a name that God calls you by. Amen? And, uh, you know, and, and one of the things, you know, God called Peter a rock when he looked like shifting sand. 
How many know that Peter looked, did not look like the most stable dude to call into the ministry? He was hot-headed. He was rough around the edges. Um, he did the most heinous uh, act, really, outside of Judas in the disciples. He denied the Lord three times. You know, he did some pretty dumb stuff, but the Lord, ne- but the Lord called him a rock in the midst of his sand. Amen? Uh, God called Abraham a father of many when he looked like a foolish, childless old man holding on to a dream. He looked foolish, but God, God named him according to his destiny. Now, how many you know Abraham had a choice to make? Am I going to embrace Abram? No promise. Or am I going to embrace Abraham? My true identity. He had a, he had a choice. How do we know that he chose properly? Because he started to say what God had said about him. I mean, you know, Abram and Sarai stopped calling each other that, and they started calling themselves Abraham and Sarah. I mean, you know, they got their mouth in line with the promises of God, and they started saying what God was saying about them. Can I get an amen? You have a choice to make. How I many you know you've been given a new identity? And you have a choice to make. Are you going to embrace that identity? Or are you going to embrace the lie that the enemy's trying to bring into your life? Amen? Um, God called Jacob Israel, which means you know, to, to have favor with God and man and to have power with God and man, when he looked like a liar and a thief. You know, Jacob was straight up scandalous, man. Like this bro, he was on a path of dumb stuff. You know I mean? He was stealing. He was lying. He was cheating. Left, right, and sideways. But how many know God didn't take His name away from him? God said, you are Israel. God named him according to His future. God named him according to His destiny. How many know God has the ability to look outside of your right now? See, right now, the enemy may be calling you this and may be trying to say it through your own mouth. How many know the primary way the enemy tries to attack you is to get you talking bad about you? Whether you're doing it out of your mouth or you're doing it internally. He's always trying to shoot that fiery dart of you embracing a false identity. Amen? And we've got a choice to make, right? I mean, oh, God called David a man after his own heart. Amen? And so the list goes on and on and on. God finds us. He names us. He calls us. And it's our decision what we're going to embrace. First John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Children of God. So how I many know your, your identity is you're a child of God? You, and see, and I think we say that so much that we've lost the impact of it. It's become cliche. It's become, yeah, yeah, I'm a child of God. You know what I'm saying? And, we, and all this stuff. No, no, no. You, 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 are, you are born again of the creator of the universe. And the creator of the universe, Almighty God, He's living on the inside of you. You're one spirit with the Lord. And, 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 and you, you're now born from above. You are born of God. There's power in that, right? But the enemy does not want you to identify with that aspect of who you are. He's always trying to convince you that you're not the beloved child of God. How I many you know when he brought Jesus into the wilderness, he tried to tempt him by getting him to prove that he was something that he already knew that he was? How I many you know if you know that you are something, you don't have to prove it to anybody? If you know that you are something, you don't have to prove it to anybody. If you know that you are something, you don't have to prove it. Because, how I many know there's a difference between the boldness of a lion and the boldness of a chihuahua, right? Chihuahua, got something to prove. Lion, got nothing to prove. Your confidence is displayed in rest. 
Amen. When you're at rest, the enemy's afraid. When you're frantic, the enemy's excited because he's pulled you out of faith and into a place of doubt. And the worst thing you can do in a place of doubt is try to prove who you are. You don't got to prove anything to anybody. It's a flat-out trap. You don't got to prove it to another Christian. You don't got to prove it to another person. How many know God will vindicate your name? Listen, you want God's vindication. You don't want what you can do. God's vindication happens like this. Sit down and let me fight this battle for you. Not you out trying to vindicate yourself and trying to clear your name and trying to make something happen. Don't get down on the enemy's level. Amen? Rest. When you're at rest, the enemy's nervous because God is at work. But when you're trying to white-knuckle the will of your own salvation and your own future, and you're freaking out, and you're trying to make something happen, that, that frustrates grace because you're actually not... I mean, you know, the evidence of faith is rest. So, relax. Amen? Relax. Jeremiah, you're telling me to do nothing. No, I'm telling you to relax here and then do what He tells you to do. And if He's not telling you to do anything, do what Scripture tells you to do. Scripture is your primary directive. And then the, then the leading of the Spirit connects the dots of that primary directive. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so what, what should I be doing? Love. Be loved. Receive love, number one. And then love. What does love look like flowing through you? That's what you're called to do on earth. Amen? Let that happen, and then let the leading of the Spirit happen. But don't get frantic and worried about the future. Amen? Uh, and if you're listening to stuff that's making you frantic and worried about the future, then stop listening to it. If you're listening to stuff that's keeping you angry, stop. If you're listening to stuff that's keeping you offended, stop. <laughs> don't do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, if my kids come up to me, Dad, my belly hurts. Why? Well, I ate 16 pounds of chocolate. Well, you know, praise God. You know, I understand. In our house, I'm the one who ate 16 pounds of chocolate, not the kids. <laughs> oh, honey, pray for me. Yeah, temperance in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. But, so, anyway, so, all right, praise God. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Let's continue to move forward here. So, you, you had this new identity, right? And this new, new identity is a place of rest. It's a place of confidence. It's a place of, of um, oh, it's a beautiful place. It's really where all the, all the fight of faith, you know, we really are, we shouldn't be trying to fight, you know, to make this happen and make that happen and make this happen and make that happen. No, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Don't get the cart before the horse. Is you know, the, the reason the blessing followed Jesus is He knew who He was. It, it, it's, it's, in, it's in our identity. That's where everything is at. Because when, when you embrace your identity, you're honoring the cross. When you embrace your true identity as a child of God, as a, a, a person that's righteous and forgiven, you're honoring the work of the cross. Amen? That's where the power's at. That's where the victory's at. How many know you were born again in the victory circle? Amen. You, you're born a victor. Amen. You, you're, in, you're operating out of a place of victory. Don't allow the enemy um, to drag you into some lie that, you, that, you're, not, that you're, not a, a, you're not, you've not won. And I give this analogy so often, but it's just such a clear analogy. 
you know, Eli, his brother can come up to him and take his nose and freak him out. Like, you want to start a fight in the house? Take Eli's nose. <laughs> he got my nose. Ah! And, and, and now, how many know we all know that nobody has his nose? He's still got it. But if he believes that he's lost his nose, he has no peace. Do you know that your righteousness, your right standing with God, your state of eternal forgiveness has been given to you even in a stronger and more solid and eternal fashion than your physical nose? Can't nobody sever you from the righteousness of God? It can't happen. Well, your spirit's been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus would have to reverse back onto the cross. You know why He ever lives to make intercession for us? Because He's alive. Because of the fact that He's alive and He is righteous is proof that you're righteous. It's the greatest proof that you have. Amen. Because how many know that He became one with your sin and became one with my sin? And He took it, right? And so, But then He conquered it. And so, don't allow the enemy to convince you that the enemy can take your righteousness or that you can lose your righteousness. You know, and I say it all the time because it's the primary place of attack. Did you do anything to be made right with God? Did you knock enough doors? Did you do enough stuff? You just couldn't, could you? Me as a rank, awful, horrible sinner, every once in a while I did something all right. You know? But my decent deed couldn't save me because I was dead. Okay? And so... If my deeds can't make me righteous, then my deeds can't make me unrighteous. I am held captive by the righteousness of God. Amen. I'm not dead. I'm alive. Now, my nature is a loving nature that's accountable for its behavior and its actions. And how many as a believer, we should carry ourselves worthy of the gospel and we should honor this good news. With our conduct, with the way we care ourselves, the way we do things, the way we operate. We should have, we should have integrity. Uh, we, should, we, should, we should all of these things. Now, if we don't have these things, you know why we don't have these things? A, we've forgotten that we were forgiven, according to 1 Peter. The reason that you, you're not flowing in these fruits of the Spirit and all of these things is you've forgotten that your sin was purged. And B, you don't know who you are. The reason the prodigal son was in the pig pen is he forgot who he was. So you're, not, you're, you're having an identity crisis and you're choosing a false identity. The enemy sold you a lie that you're a sinner or sold you a lie that you're an angry person or sold you a lie that you're the person that you used to be and that you don't have integrity. And you're all, all that's cr- garbage. It was crucified on the cross. You have a new identity. And if you'll wake up to who you are, your behavior will follow that. It's just the, it's just the truth, man, right? And so... Um, and so, just like Eli's nose can't be taken from him, your right standing with God can't be taken away from you. And here's the thing, how many know if God's for you, then you don't have anything to be afraid of? Amen? Right? And so, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we have this new creation. We have this new identity. Verse, drop down to verse 21. For he made him... For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. This is your identity. This is the battle. This is your choice. You must choose to believe that you are right with God. Apart from your behavior. 
You must choose to believe that Jesus' cross is a success. That's the primary fight of your faith. Because here's the thing. Do you think Jesus was, when, when He walked the earth and the Pharisees and Sadducees were angry and trying to kill Him and all this stuff, do you think He was ever nervous? No, He wasn't nervous. Why? Because He knew who He was. He knew He was right with God. He was not nervous. When the soldiers came to get Him, they said, where's Jesus and others? He said, I am. And they all psh, hit the ground and fell down. You think people got a clue this is the Son of God. You know what I'm saying? But praise God. Um, he was not nervous because he knew that he was right with God. Can I get an amen? The same sonship that Jesus enjoyed has been given to us as a gift. Amen. And so, now Jesus didn't have to deal with what we have to deal with. What are you talking about? Jesus never sinned. Jesus never made a mistake. So he did not have the enemy trying to accuse him according to his behavior. He didn't have that fight of faith. Because <clears throat> he actually had, he had to complete the law to fulfill the law to become the sacrifice for the law to put, the, put an end to the law. You, his righteousness, he was born into it, but then he had to earn ours. He did. I mean, he did. He had to keep the Ten Commandments. He had to fulfill the law. And, and, but, and so, so he doesn't deal with that. But how many know we, we deal with that? You know what the greatest testimony that you're not right with God is? You. <laughs> you tracking me here? Your mistakes. But here's the thing. How many know you cannot allow your mistakes to determine your identity? Because if you embrace a false identity, how many it's going to affect the trajectory of your future? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? If I take a child up here and I tell them all day long that they're bad, they're no good, they're, they're a failure, they're awful, they're never going to accomplish anything, they're stupid. If I tell a child that all day long, it's going to warp and, and, and place a false identity upon that child, and that child will walk out the belief system that's been placed on the inside of them. And so what your God has come to do, He actually planted the seed of His Son on the inside of you. You're now the righteousness of God. And so now, He's trying to unwarp the way you see yourself so that you can walk out the victory that's already been placed down on the inside of you. And when you make a misstep, and when you make a mistake, you don't identify it. You recognize that your Savior was greater than your mistakes. How many know you have the ability to choose? Every day. And so, you're going to have times when this is going to be presented to you in a very stark reality. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Um, well, how many know there's opportunity to act differently than who God created you to be. Right? Right? You know, the example I've been using is my dog. My dog has made me <laughs> extremely angry on several occasions. And, um, but how many know that I'm not an angry man? No, I'm not. We know what my nature is? Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness. Yeah, but Jeremiah, but you you were mad at your dog or whatever. No, that's not that I may have had a I may have stepped in some emotional trash, but me stepping in it does not make me turn into it. Me making mistake does not now I've got a decision to make. Am I going to choose this lie and embrace it as me? If I do that, I'm lying against the truth. It's astonishing. This is actually what Ephesians is talking about. If I do that, I'm lying against the truth. And that's why it's so sad when from the pulpit they teach everybody that they're sinners. 
They're bad and they're awful and they're, they're awful. You teach people that, of course they're going to act like that. Of course they're going to act like that. You're just empowering a false identity and all they're going to do is fail and fall and fail and fall and then they're going to, then they're going to, they're going to, they're going to blame it on a, you know, a sin nature. And no, no, the, the cross was a success. You're, you're born again. You're the righteousness of God. They got to renew your mind to who you are. You know, but um, if you embrace this concept that, you know, if I embrace this concept that I'm an angry person or, you know, oh, man, thank God for freedom. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, you know, God set you free. You know, um, oh, praise the Lord. You know, I had years of struggle with pornography. Years. Of, I got introduced um, uh, to, to my sexuality at a very young age by a babysitter. And so, and I had, I had things happen to me as, as a young child that, and, and even the environment that I was in, like my, my primary um, role model uh, was a womanizer. And it was my uncle. I looked up to him. He was, he was, he was, to me, he was the greatest thing ever. And then how many know Hollywood presents this image that masculinity is the ability to womanize, to, to be a womanizer and to conquer women? How stupid is that? That's not masculinity, but that's what's presented. And so, from a, from a very young age, every, every year, my New Year's resolution was to lose my virginity. When I was a child. When I was a little kid, every year. Why? Because to me, that's what being a man was about. Right? And so, this world got a hold of me, man, and it warped me and messed me up and, and went down years of struggle you know, with, with pornography and lust and, and an addiction to all of those things. And, and you know what? Legalism just made that stuff worse. I got skilled at hiding it. I got real good at hiding it. And, but you know what? Today, by the grace of God, I'm totally free of all that stuff. I don't, that, that is, you know what? That was never who I was. That was never my identity. It, it, it had been stamped on me over and over and over and over again through experience after experience after experience. And let me tell you something. It took a long time for me to get free from that. The drugs and alcohol, I got free from a whole lot quicker. But that, 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 that sexual perversion stronghold, it, it, it was like a shackle on my mind for, for so many years of my life. But like, I'm free now. Praise God. And been free for a while. And I'm so thankful and I'm so grateful. And, and what happens is the enemy, you know, I mean, there's a lot of shame concerning that area. A lot of people won't talk about this area, you know, but, but it needs to be talked about. Because, you know, you know, if you're in here and that's been a struggle for you, or you're watching online, that's been a struggle for you, I'm here to tell you something. That's not who you are. That is not who you are. That may have been what the world's convinced you of. That may have been even what you've thought that you were and embraced. But I'm here to tell you right now, that's a shackle that you're carrying that God wants to set you free from. But the, the thing that you have to know is that even in the midst of carrying that shackle, you're a forgiven child of God the entire time. Someone struggling with bulimia and anorexia, you are a forgiven child of God the entire time. Someone struggling with cutting, you are a forgiven child of God the entire time. Someone struggling with you know, alcoholism and drug abuse, you are a forgiven child of God the entire time. That's just grave clothes that's trying to, that's, that's, that's trying to stick on you. How I many you know you're a new creation in Christ Jesus? Old things have passed away. Those, those strongholds, they're lies, they're untruths, they're false. And you have a real identity to embrace as a child of God and, and don't allow shame and, and, and guilt and condemnation to tell you that you're not beautiful 
and you're not perfect, and you're not righteous because you are. Just because you drop a gold coin in some dirt does not change the fact that it's a gold coin. Just because you drop in, 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 in some, you know, some pornography and some mistakes doesn't change who you are. Can I get an amen? You're still a child of God. we got to rise up and recognize that God's on our team in the midst of our struggle. See, so many times we've been taught from the pulpit, you struggle with something like that, and you know, God's against you, and you got to hide this, and God's not for you. No, no, no. It's you and God together against it. Because it is not you. You are a child of God. It is trying to attach itself to you. It is trying to dominate you. It. It. It's it. It's not you. You tracking me? It's you and God together against it. You know, and hopefully God will put people, you know, around you in your life that will stand with you against it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, that's where confess ye faults to one another. Especially in areas that are shameful. You know, like these areas that I'm, that I'm talking about. That you can open up and say, look man, I'm struggling with this. And, and, a, and, a, and a brother in the Lord or sister in the Lord can look you in the eye and tell you, you are clean. You are righteous. You are good. Don't let that garbage define you. It's not who you are. It's not who you are. It's not who you are. And if the enemy can try to get us to embrace that we're an angry person or that we're a liar or that we don't have integrity or that we're lazy or we're all of these things. No, no, no. Who we were died with Christ. You are now risen with Christ. And as He is, so are you in this world. You have a new identity. And your freedom from these behaviors are you just waking up to righteousness. How many know you awake to righteousness and sin not? The reason I have victory you know, with the drug addiction, alcoholism, and the pornography is I woke up one day and realized that's not me. That's actually not who I am. That never felt right to me. It never fit me. <clears throat> now, if you're not saved... You're, going to, you're, you're still abiding in a place of death, and the word to the Lord, the word of the Lord to use is come out of death and come into life. Amen. But as a born-again believer, you, you just don't sin, sin doesn't fit well on us, man. Like it's not, we're just not the dominion of sin is like it, it's it, it ain't for us, man. But what we have to realize is that like we have to work together to get free. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? I'm just talking about like understanding that when you make a mistake, you're not condemned. That's one of the reasons I talk so much about my mistakes. You know? And I talk a lot about my dog because it's a nice, safe little area. You know? But, amen. And then there's a lot of, and there's a lot of material too. Praise God. But, uh, but it's important to understand that everybody has struggles and that we're, not, we're, we're here to help each other. We're not here to condemn each other and judge each other. Can I get an Amen. And see, there's a difference between struggling something, struggling with something that's wrong and declaring that it's right. And struggling with something that's wrong and recognizing that it's wrong. That's the difference. And see, and that's where the waters can get muddy, but you know what clears up the muddy of the waters? Scripture. It tells us what's right and wrong. Amen? And so, like, if it's wrong, if the book says it's wrong, it's wrong. I mean, that's where I'm at, you know? And, 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 and so, so you, can, you can struggle with something, but the light will shine on it and say, that's wrong. And how many know that you can humbly allow it to be removed from you, but if you, if you take a strong stance of pride 
and, and, and obstinance and no, this is right. This is right. This is right. How I many know there's no deliverance for someone who's embraced something that's wrong and declared that it's right? Because you're operating in pride. You won't humbly release it and recognize it's actually, it's not, it's not who you are. Can you get an amen? It's not who you are. Amen. So God, His deliverance for you is going to come through Jesus. It's going to come through you awakening to righteousness and, and, and realizing who you are. Job 27, <clears throat> verse 6, you don't have to turn there. But it says, My righteousness I hold fast, and I will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. Very powerful scripture. How many know when you make a mistake and when you fall, you got to hold fast to Jesus as your righteousness. And if you do it properly, you'll come out of your failure with a greater place of gratitude. It's amazing. This is how grace removes the dominion of sin off of people's lives. Amen. How many know when Mary Magdalene worshipped Jesus and washed His hair with her tears and dried... Uh, washed his feet with her tears and dried it with her, with her hair, how I many know that she knew that the prostitution and sexual sin she was in was wrong? She knew it was wrong. And she didn't want to continue. And, and, but she held fast to Him. How I many know she was in a room full of accusers and condemners and judges? I love the fact that this thing happened at a nice little church luncheon. That's what it went down. Jesus was eating with the Pharisees and Sadducees. I love the courage of this woman. She walked into a room filled with people that saw prostitute labeled on her head. She, she walked into that room carrying a label that people had placed on her. But how many know she wasn't reading that name? She was reading the name Child of God. Disciple of the Risen Lord. And she pushed past all of their judgment and all of their stares, and she embraced Jesus as her righteousness. Can you get an amen? I mean, that pleases the Lord. That pleases the Lord. But all them Pharisees and Sadducees, how many of them brothers had, had, had skeletons in their closet? One thing I can promise you about legalism is, is where legalism is present, there's all kinds of sin. All kinds of sin. Why? Because it's the strength of sin. The law is the strength of sin. Where you see legalism, there's all kinds of sin happening. But it's happening behind a pointed finger. That's how it works. I'm going to point out what's wrong with you because i got 35 skeletons in my closet that I'm unaware of because I'm too busy pointing out what's wrong with you. And so they really can't get free because they're too busy judging everybody else. Yeah. Amen. It's weird and unusual, but it's true. Anywhere you see legalism, it has all different forms, all different forms, but anywhere it is, sin is running rampant. Because it's how it works, man. Grace is the only thing that sets us free from the dominion of sin. Amen. So let's turn to Colossians chapter 3. A couple more places here and we'll close. Um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. It says, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image who created him. So it says, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. This is not a literal telling a lie. This is you're walking in a way and you're doing something that you feel like is who you are, but this is actually not who you are. Are y'all tracking me here? Like if I embrace an identity of a drug addict, I'm lying. 
How you lying, Jeremiah? Because I'm not drug addict anymore. I'm a child of God. You tracking me? If I embrace an identity of an angry person or a lustful person, I'm lying against the truth because that's actually not who I am. I'm a child of God. Y'all tracking me here? And so we put on that new identity. We embrace that new identity. What's the primary way we do it? we got to say what the Lord has said about us. Use your mouth. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I mean, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? we got to say what God has said about us. See, when you fail, the last thing you need to do is speak in line with your failure and embrace it as your identity. Man, I'm just an angry person. Kick the tires on the car. Man, I'm just a loser. Man, I'm just a, I'm just a, I'm just a, I'm just a, I'm just a. You're lying. <laughs> I don't care if that's the way you're acting or not. If you're born again, you're a child of God. And you have a new nature. How I many know in that moment you have a choice? Am I going to choose to embrace Jesus' righteousness or am I going to embrace my own? See, every time you choose to embrace His righteousness over yours, you honor the work of the cross. Every time you choose to embrace His righteousness over yours, you honor the work of the cross. So in your moments of failure, in your moments of mistake, in your moments of shame, you've got to put on the new man and say what God has said about you. Someone struggling with addiction to pornography? Confess you're the righteousness of God. During. But Jeremiah, how can I do that? Well, if you... Did Jesus do a good job? Then that means you're righteous. Someone who's struggling, who's struggling with an addiction to cigarettes or an addiction to uh, drugs or a, an addiction to food or an addiction to whatever, say you're the righteousness of God while you're doing it. Why? Because what you're doing is you're embracing who you are, not who you've been convinced you are. If you can do that, I promise you, you won't stay there. How I many of oh, you can run your mouth, can't you? You can do it. <clears throat> it, it. It's a tremendous act of faith to confess your righteousness in the midst of a failure. But it is what will bring you out. You're trying to hold a beach ball underwater? Can't do it for long, can you? Well, you, you though a righteous man falls seven times, he don't stay down. You cannot hold this nature down. And if you'll activate it by saying what God has said about you, you'll rise up and toss those clothes off of you, man. You'll rise up and toss that junk off of you and walk in a place of freedom. Can you get an amen? And, here, and what happens is you get free, and then you stay free. <clears throat> then, like, you know what? I, drugs? There is zero temptation for drugs now. Like, like, if someone were to come up, and the devil don't even mess with me about that stuff no more. Why? Because I don't want anything to do with that stuff. Like, there's no desire there whatsoever. And so, um, I mean, that's freedom. That's the freedom the Lord has for us. Amen? How I many you know nothing can stop us? Nothing can keep us down. Amen? Nothing can stop us. Okay, turn to, turn, turn to one place and we're, we're going to close here. Turn to, uh, turn to Mark chapter 10, please. Choose your identity, your true identity in the midst of your failure. Choose it. Make the choice. Make the decision. Say what God has said. Put on the new man in righteousness and true holiness. You know, I'll just read that to you real quick. But you have not, Ephesians 4.20, but, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard of Him and been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off 
concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We do that with our words. We do that with the way that we speak. And how many know we can do that with each other? Can I get an amen? How many know the people in your house, sometimes we need to not know them according to the flesh? How many know quarantine has put pressure on everybody? Quarantine and all that stuff. How many know it's brought out the worst in some people, man? You know, it's, it, there's a lot of pressure that's going on. And how many know there's a time to, to, to not know someone according to the flesh, but to see them for who they are in Christ and speak life over them? Look, anybody can, it takes no spiritual discernment to, to, to locate the problem. You know what I'm saying? Like, anybody can say what, talk about the problem. But, but can you see darkness and speak light? Because that's what God does. Can you speak light? You see darkness, but you speak light. Amen? Praise God. That's the, that's the difference. So, it's really, it all comes back to this right here. All right, now, we're going to close right here. Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. This is Jesus having an encounter with someone. It says, Now they came to Jericho... And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude, and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. When he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And then, then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. He's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he arose and came to Jesus. Now, I want you to understand something, that a beggar during that time had a garment that um, let everyone know that they were a beggar and that they deserved uh, welfare from the people. They deserved help from the people. They could, they could beg. They could take alms. So that garment was his ability his sustenance, his ability to provide for himself. But that garment also was an identity of a, of, a, of, a, of a blind person. And so when the Son of God came, he said, I'm letting go of this victim mentality. I'm letting go of this identity. And I'm going to drop it onto the road. Now, I mean, you know, he's letting go of something that's providing him security. How I many you know there's some parts of your personality that you may have embraced as being who you are that you need to drop on the ground and let it go? It may feel like a place of security. It may feel like a comfortable place that you know. But I'm here to tell you right now, where God is taking you, this garment can't stay on you. It doesn't belong on you. It's ill-fitting. You are not a victim. Amen. And so you got to let go of this idea that you're, you know, because, you know, there's a period in my life when I struggle with the pornography and stuff that I thought, I'll always struggle with this. I'll never be free from this. But how I many you know God knew that that wasn't my destiny and that wasn't my calling? Can I get an amen? You may say, man, I've always struggled with fear. I've always been a fearful person, or I've always been an angry person, or I've always had anxiety, or, or I've always, 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 I've always. Listen, you're always, your always is not greater than eternity's always. And, and eternity has a path for you that may be different than the way you've drugged your feet in the past, believing you were lame and believing you were something that you were not. And there comes a time when you've got to make a decision. Am I going to keep on the victim cloth? 
Am I going to keep on this false identity that feels comfortable? Everybody knows me as this. They just know all that. Ha ha. That's just who he is. Ha ha. That's just who she is. Or am I going to drop that thing on the ground and walk over to the Son of God, leaving the security of my past behind me so that I can embrace the boldness of a new day, of a new man, of a new woman, of a new creation in Christ Jesus that's not bound by that old identity that's no longer yours. You are a child of God. I don't care what the world has said about you. I don't care what your family said about you. I don't care what you've said about you. What God did in you is bigger than anything you can do. And there is an embracing of Him as your identity. Because how is this world ever going to see the children of God as as long as we're embracing these false identities? All creation is groaning and waiting and travailing to see the glorious liberty of the children of God. Not our daggone Caleb bumper stickers and t-shirts and our, paraf- our Christian paraphernalia. Show me the children of God. Let me see them. Where are they? They have love. They have liberty. They have freedom. They're different. They're not cursing and, 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 and canceling. They're blessing and, and shining and giving light. This world needs the light that's on the inside of you. You don't got to kindle the light. You don't got to make the light happen. You just got to unveil the light. Because it's in there. It's inside of you. And no one has any more than you have. We don't, we're not measuring this thing. No, no, no. The Christ is on the inside of you. He wants to shine out of you. He wants to shine out of you. He wants to shine out of you. Your voice. Your life. Your personality. Your experience. You shine Jesus in a way that nobody shines Jesus. Somebody needs to see Jesus through your life. In your eyes. In your smile. In your love. In your care. In your service. No condemnation will veil the Christ in you. No condemnation. Man, you're forgiven. Alright? Eternally. Don't allow that, that lying devil to try to convince you that the enemy's got your righteousness. Come on. Ugh. You're the righteousness of God. Kick him in the forehead, man. <laughs> you're accuser. You're accuser. Your accuser. Listen, how many know you have been developed into a place of being your greatest accuser? But no matter how much your voice internally cries out against you, it's not greater than the Son of God on the inside of you. The Son of God is greater. We, 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 we get in our, our, our whiny pathetic, condemned, self-righteous mess. God, look at me. I'm so bad. God's like, oh, sweetie. You're so good. You just got some pig, pig pen on you, girl. You know I mean? You just got some pig pen on you. Come here. Let me put the robe back on you. So you are. Put the ring on you. So you are. Shoes on you. So you are. You're my child. Mm. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. But we have a choice to make whether we're going to, like this guy, keep that false garment or cast it off. He throws the garment off and he rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered him and said, what do you want? In other words, I I, I feel like anything that man asked for, he was about to get. Because Jesus recognized. He just threw all his security away 
He just threw everything that he's trusted in his whole life away. Not because he saw me, but because he heard me. Blind Bartimaeus didn't see Jesus. He heard Him. You haven't seen Jesus. I know you may have seen Him in the realm of the Spirit and all that stuff, but you've not physically seen Jesus. But you heard Him. You heard His voice. And you heard His voice, and that's what called you out of death and into life. But His voice, He's speaking to you again. He's speaking to you again. He's speaking to you again. He's calling your name again. There's a greater place of freedom that God has for your life than what you're currently experiencing. There's a greater place of freedom. For me too. For all of us. See, the nature of a pulpit should be like a a fire hose of truth to bring greater and greater freedom. I mean, what truth does, it sets people free. Can't get an amen. Christianity is not about bondage. It's not about taste not, touch not, handle not, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. Christianity is yes. (laughs) Yes and amen. And man, you get so caught up in the yes, you lose sight of all the trash and all the temptation and all the no's. Like who wants what this world tries to convince us that it can offer us something that's good. Y'all tried the world stuff. How many know it's all right for a little bit, but it brings forth death. It gives you a hangover. It gives someone an STD. It gives someone a bad situation and broken dreams and broken promises and all of these things. This world can't give us what God has gave us. When we get enraptured with what the Lord has given us, all that other stuff becomes unattractive. The garment was laid aside. He asked the Lord. He said, I want my sight. He said, it's yours. Amen. How many know, and we're closing right here, Is there a garment that you've been wearing that's not who you are? And that might be be a million different things. But whatever it is, it's not freedom. I I know that during this period of time, fear has really tried to put a stranglehold on a lot of people's lives. This world has tried to make us so afraid that it controls every single waking moment of our lives. You are not called to be driven by fear. You are called to be led by love. Amen? How many know fear is is a nasty, horrible garment? You're not called to live afraid. Can't get an amen. I know there's the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. And what the fear of the Lord is, is I'm in awe of God, and God's bigger and stronger than anything this world can throw at me. And it's healthy and it's good. It's not a bad thing. But at the end of the day, as a new creation child of God, love is on the inside of you and love is the engine of your life and love and fear don't mix. How many know you're not called to live afraid? So all that being said, everyone here, you're going to have moments where you're going to have to choose which identity you're going to embrace. Are you going to embrace the identity that was given to you by God? Are you going to embrace the identity that was given to you by your past, by your parents, by a coach, by a teacher, by a pastor? Or are you, are you going to embrace the identity that's given to you by God? Or in a moment of mistake, see, the enemy is what he loves to do. He loves to tempt you, and then you take the bait, 
And then you fall, and then he quickly tries to put shame. Shame's the glue that causes the garment to stick. Shame is. Condemnation and shame. Because here comes a garment. No, you're this. You're this. And then shame just sticks it. That's why it's important to confess your sins to one another. You don't confess your sins to one another in order to be forgiven by God. You confess your sins to one another in order to remove the glue of shame off of your life. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Because if you can get around some people you can trust, and I know that's hard to do, unfortunately, and hard in Christianity as well, maybe even harder sometimes because of legalism, if you can get around some people you can trust and you can open up and be like, man, and be real, that shame, will, will, it, just, it's like it just dissolves off of you, man, and that garment just hits the ground because it's like not who you are. That's what God wants for all of us, man. He wants that for us. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you for developing that, Lord. Thank you for developing places where we can be open and we can be honest and we can be vulnerable and we can be transparent. You know, and I, and I, and I praise God. Thank you, Lord. That's what God wants. That's what God wants for us. You know, and we're in a weird time for ministry. You know, it's just everything's weird. Like, you know, fellowships and hanging out and stuff like that's not as much as it used to be in all of these things. But that's the way real church is not a church service. You know what I'm saying? It's not just Sunday morning, ah, let's all get here and ah, let's all, you know what I'm saying? It's not that. It's doing life together. And I know right now it's, that's a challenge with everything that's going on. But... But that's okay, though. We're going to get through this time, and it's going to be fine. It won't be forever. It's a season. Just like the snow on the ground out there, it's a season. Amen? Um, oh, man. Praise God. I'm just trying to figure out what to do here. Um, all right. I, I, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. So it's all just, let's go before the Father. Lord, this is the word you gave me, <clears throat> and you gave me this word because you love these people, those here and those watching online. And Lord, I, I just thank you. Here's the thing. God can't make you drop that false identity. How many know Jesus didn't come and take that identity off of Bartimaeus? Bartimaeus had to drop it. And so if you're here right now and you've been operating under a false impression that some sin is your identity, some sin is, your, is who you are, Maybe it's not a sin thing or a morality thing. Maybe it's an, it's, it's, it's an anger thing or a fear thing or, or whatever. All the myriads of different bondage that are down here on this planet. Whatever it is, it does not have a right to stay on you. And Lord, I, I just thank You that Your people make a decision to drop that garment and to embrace You as their righteousness and their identity. Father, we thank You for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I ended that quickly because... Because here's the thing, this is not a moment of prayer, deliverance. So many times we, we all, we, we want to we wanna attribute deliverance to, you know, just getting prayer. And, and prayer is very powerful, don't get me wrong. But here's the thing, Monday's coming. I want to give you a weapon. Because you know what's going to happen? <clears throat> Monday, that false identity is going to try to be put on you. And you know what you got to do? No, no, no. Out of your mouth. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a child of God. Before, during, and after. Or maybe you just go off and have a bad day and get really mad. Right? And then you don't say nothing about righteousness. Right? Well, what do you got to do? You got to pick back up, man. Pick back up. Did it change who you are? 
Did it change who your God is? Can I get an amen? All right, so, cool. We're done. Um, and then if we just want to continue worshiping the Lord in our giving here. You know, so, so much of the time in the body of Christ, preachers want to talk about how much you are to give, right? 